Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life both on and off the playing field. Hey, what's up and welcome back to the show. So today's episode is with our first guest of 2022, Don Crow. So Don is one of the most decorated players and coaches that I've ever had the pleasure of talking with. She's a four-time national championship at North Carolina, where she went 97-1-1 as a player. She was also on the U.S. national team. She has coached at several schools, including Mississippi State, Alabama, Virginia Commonwealth, UNC Wilmington, and she is currently the head coach at UW-Stevens Point. So in this episode, which is primarily aimed at coaches, we dive deep into what it takes as a coach to improve your team culture, how to develop trust with your team, amongst your team, and really how to invest in your players so that not only you help them become better players and produce more on the field, but so you can help them become better people in their lives. This episode is so important for coaches. So regardless of what age you coach, what sport you coach, if you're a parent listening, a player listening, please share this with a coach you know, because the more coaches that listen to this episode, it's going to create this positive ripple effect of coaches and then of course of players. So please share this episode with a friend and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Dawn, what's up? Welcome to the Alpha Real Confidence Podcast. You were the first guest of 2022, so I hope that you, um, you know, really take that in because that's important. So I hope that you're excited to be here as much as I am. So thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Always pleasure hanging out with you. Yeah, I mean, as I was kind of going through, like, I obviously I know you and we've talked before, but like really going through your bio, I'm like, man, this woman is a power like she is a superstar in, in your younger days. And then obviously now too. So before we really get into everything, um, I'd love to just hear for the audience, kind of your soccer background, go ahead and, you know, share as much as you want to share, but kind of the big nuggets of, of your background. Sure. Um, I grew up in, in right outside the Dallas area in a, um, it used to be a small town, Plano, Texas. Now it's probably a hundred and some odd thousand, um, but I, you know, I grew up playing soccer. Um, I had um, awesome experiences with just playing, not even dad coaches, but they were, our club was run by a bunch of engineers. So it was very anal, um, <laughs> but it, but it was like, I, I only had one coach that was a, uh, a dad coach kind of a deal. And then uh, right as I was getting out of club, um, Janet Rayfield, the head coach at Illinois, came in and, and coached the team um, for uh, a couple seasons. So from there, I went to the University of North Carolina. I played on the youth national teams and, and went into some camps with the senior team, played on the national B team. Um, <clears throat> after uh, North Carolina, we were fortunate to go 97-1-1 in my four years there. Um, our one loss was to Duke. And so my buddy at Missouri now, Steph, um, likes to make sure everybody knows that um, <laughs> since she's a Duke grad. But we, we always joke and say, look, a Duke grad and a Carolina grad can get along. But obviously just not during times where they play each other in any sport. Yeah. Um, 
but then from there, um, I went right into kind of college coaching. I coached at, uh, I was a volunteer assistant at Virginia Commonwealth for a year. Then I was a volunteer assistant at UW, UNCW. And that was more as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't want to take a spot from somebody who knew they wanted to coach. And at that time I was still kind of toying. You kept hearing things about pro league and all the other stuff. So, um, after my second year with the Charlotte Speed, which is now the, what are they, Charlotte? God, I think now they're probably. I read Charlotte. it in your bio. Yeah. Um, Charlotte but, Lady Eagles. Yeah. So <clears throat> from there, um, I took the second assistant job at Mississippi State. Um, that was a long eight months. Um <laughs> Then I took the first assistant job at Alabama. Uh, then I was head coach at Duquesne, um, which was my first go into the private college sector, which I don't think necessarily is for me, but I didn't want to pass up. So I took a assistant job with Fairfield University, realized that, yeah, I'm at that. I'm more of a public school girl. Mm -hmm. um, so then I actually went home to, um, Plano and taught and, and coached. Um, I taught at Plano East and I uh, coached club with FC Dallas. And then um, we had our twins and we wanted to be closer to family. And so that's how I ended up here in Wisconsin. And right now I am the head coach of the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point. I'm the head region two um, 04 uh, coach. Um, we just got back at Thanksgiving down in Orlando this year. We actually were three and oh down there. We had some phenomenal players um, that were fun to kind of hang out with. And I also um, coached the state team here in Wisconsin. And I'm on um, a real unique board here with um, Wisconsin Youth Soccer where we um, literally are trying to keep women involved in sports, whether it's an administrative spot, whether it's um, coaching, whether it's refing, um, anything we can think of to keep them um, in sports and kind of empowering that. And I've been very fortunate to be a voting member from the ground up type of a deal with the Wisconsin Women in Sports, um, some phenomenal people um, that help run that. We've done two um, seminars. Uh, we had Anson come in uh, the first year as our keynote speaker. We had Jill Ellis and Becky Burley come in the second year um, as our keynote speakers. I did a um, culture uh, talk with Stephanie Golan um, about building culture and culture wins. And so I was fortunate enough to do that. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is I've been fortunate enough to fail miserably mm -hmm. And were was consistently given chances, like yeah. to kind of fix stuff, or you know, you don't know as as um, Celia um, speaks a lot about is you don't know what you don't know. And when I was a young coach, you know, I thought it was all X's and O's, and mm -hmm. boy, does that hit you in the face when you realize it's not. <laughs> it's far from it. <laughs> yeah. And this is like, you know, obviously that's something I wanted to talk about because I know you're so into like the culture and everything. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, I really want coaches. If coaches were wondering, like, why should I listen to Dawn? Like now, you know, like she literally has been around the block, like with the best of the best. Right. So as far as culture goes, I have, I have a lot of coaches in my Facebook group and I've been getting questions lately of like, how can I, you know, like kind of dissolve these team clicks or, or, or get my players to trust each other. That's a big one is like, how can I get them to trust each other? What, what advice would you give to coaches regardless of, you know, the level of how they can really create, uh, you know, the culture of trust within the team? I think a lot of it, um, and again, I'm not the greatest at this and, and it, every year I think I'm getting better, but I think a lot of it is creating that empathy within your team, you know, kind of putting yourself in their situation, but also putting the players in each other's situation, you know, um, everybody brings baggage to the picture and some may never tell you what that baggage is, you know, no matter how much you kind of prod in and try to figure it out, but you can only do so much. Like I joke with my assistants a lot because, um, you know, it's like, I automatically get told like, you just don't understand women. Right. (laughs) And like they get the guys a free pass, like, Mm, well, they're not a woman. So therefore that's that's why, you know, and I'm like going like, why would you group us all together? Like, (laughs) You know, like how I am is totally different than how you are and how somebody else is. And, you know, you kind of have to meet them where they're at. And I think a lot of times um, based on how you were coached, you know, like, you know, like, you know, growing up, authority scared me. Like I would never say anything to another coach. I'd never. And nowadays they're a little bit more comfortable in doing that. But the other part is. If you think, you know, like I always joke and say, if I thought I knew everything, boy, I'm in trouble because there's stuff, you know, I, I, and it was funny. I went into a LGBTQ plus whatever training the other day, and I'm not trying to disrespect anyone, but like, I was going, you know, I'm kind of in this thing and I have no idea what half these terms mean. And I don't. You know, but it's like you have to be vulnerable to get it from everybody. And I think that a lot of times we don't want to do that because it's uncomfortable. And, you know, it's kind of like when you have those conversations and there's complete silence and that silence is uncomfortable. And the more you sit in it, the more you understand the impact of the situation. But if you never have it, then you're you're not going to know that impact. Yeah. I love that. I mean, the big word there is vulnerability, right? It's like, if, if you want your players to be vulnerable with you, you have to be willing to, to be vulnerable with them. And I know it's obviously uncomfortable. Um, but how, how have, how have you done that? Whether it's, you know, recent or in the past, like how have you been vulnerable with your players and seen the effects of that with your players and the culture of the team? Gosh, I think I'm still trying to learn to be vulnerable enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think again, that's part of, you know, getting older, right? You're, you're not, I know it all. You realize you don't. Um, but, you know, um, case in point, this was a big one. And, you know, it, it, it was awkward as could be. So we were in the season this year and I did, you know, I did something that um, wasn't necessarily quality, I guess would be probably the most part of it. Um, but after 
what happened. Then I went ahead and let the kids know like, hey, I messed up. This is all on me. You know, I think I joked and said, let's go get, um, you know, what Frosties from Wendy's or something, you know, like I'll pay for that. Like, yeah. you know, it'll come out of our budget. Like I just, mm. like that was a big thing for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it was funny because I think the girls all looked at me like, Oh, wow. Okay. And it's, you know, um, like in the questionnaires that the, the student athletes, um, do afterwards or whatever that was a big thing that was hit a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and it was something that I really focused on myself um, if I really truly want to become a great coach and um, somebody who really leads our young ladies into something I have to make sure yeah. I show that vulnerability and yeah. it's uncomfortable and yes you could um get to a point where you're um you know I don't know if it's looking look at a different light or whatever but those that you invest in in that way they're going to invest in you in that way and I think um you know I I think at times I've made the comment no good deed goes unpunished right um but the reality of it is is it's not a tit for tat type of a system it's uh, you, you've got to do what's best for the group that you're coaching. I love that example of, you know, just, just like owning up to your mistakes. Cause I think as authority or leaders or coaches, we feel like we have to, you know, put on this facade of, of us. We never mess up. We never make mistakes. Right. But when a player can see that you mess up and you own up to it, then it's like, then they can see like, oh, they're demanding me to own up to my mistakes. And now they're owning up to their mistakes. And I think that's where there's a huge disconnect because coaches won't own up to their mistakes or at least won't let their players see it. And then there's, there's that, there's that disconnect of why is my coach asked me to do this when they can't even do it. So right. I, I think that's really huge. And also just an, an example that everybody makes mistakes all the time. So it's not like you have to go out and like pour your life story. Like that's not necessarily vulnerability. I think that's what we always think of, but it's like just, just owning up to your mistakes and, and, you know, making amends if that's, that's what it takes. But I think that's a really good example. Yeah. I think the other part is, you know, as a college coach, it's not like we don't know mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, I always joke and kind of say strive for mastery, knowing, you know, like a lot of kids will strive for perfection, will strive yeah. for mastery instead of perfection. And then you don't have as big of a disconnect, you know, um, and then it's not like an end all be all type of a deal. Um, you, you have situations where um, things come up and it might be pressure, it might be you know, the field, it might be something else that kind of compiles on everything. And it's like, okay, that's why something happened. So you take it in, try to fix it. But again, it's about mastery of stuff, not necessarily perfection of it, because perfection will kill yes. the confidence you have. Especially for girls. And like that, that's one of the biggest things I see with, with girls is for sure, like the fear of making mistakes, whether it's because they fear of you know, the coaches being mad or their teammates being mad or whatever it is. And then, and then coaches, I feel like have a hard time, you know, telling the players like, Hey, it's okay. And showing them that it's okay Mm -hmm. to make mistakes. Cause it's one thing to say it versus show it. 
So what would you suggest for coaches and how they can really like, like have this culture of mastery and of, you know, mistakes are okay. And encouraging mistakes instead of like this, you know, perfectionism. Well, it's kind of interesting. So when I was in school, um, way, way, way back in the day, um, I actually met with a sports psychologist my freshman year because I had a fear of failure. Yeah. Um, you know, like once somebody else screwed up, I had a great game. Just, I didn't want to be the first person. Right. Um, and I think we tried the rubber band thing and then that just led to a bunch of welts on my arm from, (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Right. Um, but the reality of it is, is I, you know, you get where they're coming from. Now, some of the struggle I have with a lot of the players that we have is they think that I'm expecting them to be perfect because of the group of people I hang out with and know and whatever else. And the reality of it is, is I'm just looking for them to be their best self and everybody's best self is different. And so it's just a matter of um, kind of showing the consistency of the fact that, um, you know, um, we always say we want you to fail miserably because then you know what not to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you go for lack of a better word, half ass, mm-hmm. then you never, it's, it's like your built in excuse. Well, I really didn't try. So that's yes. why I failed. Yep. And, um, to me, the worst thing in the world is the what if, or if only type mm-hmm. of a deal. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it's just, getting over that hump can you can you figure out a way to jump out of that and you know think about you know I think Sean had a quote the other day what would you have done what would you do if you know you could fail yes I love that like and and I think with with females that's the biggest thing um I had um so in Dallas when I went back home we we had this women's team and everybody on the women's team was a former division one player. Right. And we, had a lot of people that wanted to go and, and play on our team. And we always would laugh when they'd come in and we, we always had a couple questions. The first question was, are you any good? And anybody who answered it, Oh, I'm awesome. Like <laughs> we never took them because we were like, no, you're not. I don't ever says that. <laughs> but, but we had this one girl on it. Um, Lisa was her name, but we actually <laughs> called her, um, oh shit, fuck, damn, sorry. Because when she'd make a mistake, <laughs> that was her was process of, of getting rid of the mistake. So she'd be like, oh shit, fuck, damn, sorry. And then she, uh, yeah. like, <laughs> but it was like, and you knew it was coming, like no matter what it was, you knew it was coming. And so, um, you know, there, there's just nuances. And, and again, it's, it's every player's different and, and you, you, you do, you have to meet them where they are. And, you know, it could be, you know, even just as simple as figuring out whether the person likes to be yelled at in front of people, yes. you know, or um, if they're, if, they're, if they're more in tune to, you could do that in a, in a, in a safe space in your office when no one else is around them. Yeah. And, you know, every year, um, you know, it, it's a constant battle because somebody that, you know, and I'll, I'll admit it, this year I had um, this one young lady who her dad was a coach and coaches kids like you can pretty much get on them like there's no tomorrow most of the time. Right. Um, and, and I made that um, assumption 
and I said something in front of the team that I, I admitted to her when she came in. Yeah. Um, I probably should have admitted it to her in front of everybody um, just so she feels better about it. But I definitely went through and we hashed it out when she came in for a meeting. Um, but everybody's different. Now, the issue that comes into play, I think, with a lot of people is you get those young ladies who want to tell you what they think you want to hear instead of an right. open line of communication. Right. Um, you know, I don't know how many times we sit in our end of season meetings or some of the other meetings. And I'm like, what do you need from us as a staff? Mm-hmm. Which again, is another way to be vulnerable. If, yes. if, if you never ask, then they think you don't care if, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think that that's a big one with, with um, kids today is the fact that they want you to know kind of where they're at. And, you know, like most of our conversations, when we get into, um, they come into the office is more about school and life and how they feeling. And, and, you know, like I, I need them to be great soccer players, but I also need them to be better people and better for the community and know that, you know, I always joke and say the parents are waiting to make sure that they don't come back and live with them. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, But, but, you know, that's the grand scheme of things, Mm. you know, they may not necessarily appreciate it now, but yeah, maybe when they come back, they'll be like, Oh, okay. And I, and you know, it's kind of coaching is kind of a blind faith that you have in people in general, you know, because you're either going to have those that, never get while you're doing it. And I'll be completely honest. Um, in my, in my conversation, like I will be the first, I was so competitively done with soccer after I finished Carolina, like everything was a competition and I just, I got sick of it. Um, which is funny because it's not really my personality in terms of like, I knew I couldn't play pro because after three months I can't take it serious enough. Right. Um, but the other side of it was it's hard mentally to be that engaged for that long. Yeah. And so for me, there's so much other things like, you know, like in college and I still do now, like I absolutely love music. And to me, there's so many things, you know, just listening to a certain song puts you in a certain mood and, and it, you know, brings back a memory or whatever. And so those are things that become important to me. And so I'll ask the girls, you know, what are you listening to right now? Or, um, you know, obviously how's school going? Is there something we could help you with? You know, I'm a military, U.S. military history major, right? Because that comes into play all the time and everybody needs help with that. Um, and then obviously my master's in kinesiology and like yeah. coaching stuff, but, um, you know, but my assistants you know, one's in sales and the other one is uh, a engineer. So we have different ways we can help out with different stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it is, it's about getting to know your student athletes and investing enough in them to have those type of conversations as opposed to just soccer, soccer, soccer. Yeah. I I love that. And it really is like, it goes, goes back to what you said at the beginning. Like, it's not just about X's and O's and, you know, when you said, you know, about your staff meetings, right. Cause mm-hmm. whenever I get the question of like, 
you know, how do I develop this with my players? I'm like, you have to get to know your players on an individual level. And then the question is like, how, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't do that on the field. It really, it takes time. It's like these, these one-on-one meetings where Mm -hmm. you're asking, how can we support you? Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten asked that by my parents or my coaches ever. And that's something that I always tell parents to ask their kids too, is how can I best support you? And I think just that question right there is huge, is absolutely huge. And they have to be open and vulnerable and really sharing what will help. But I think if coaches like literally just take that one sentence and start asking that in their meetings, I think that'll make like the biggest difference. And and you hope by asking it every single meeting that yeah. at one point they'll get to a point where they'll tell you as opposed right. to going, oh, you're doing everything fine. Well, right. yeah, I know I'm not. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, I think that too, like the more open you are and the more you admit to your faults and, and the more open the communication is in general, mm-hmm. I think the more they'll, they'll be open and, re- and responding to that. But if it's this like, you know, totally separate coach player, no personal relationship, then they are going to just give you a bullshit answer just to make you right. happy. Right. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, and I will easily say that my first go around coaching in division one, like my, I sucked. I wouldn't have wanted to play for me. You know what I mean? I mean, I hate saying it like that, but like yeah. looking back on it, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I, you know, that I got fired. Like, yeah. And, and it's funny that, you know, everything, everything doesn't necessarily always have a silver lining, but like, if you honestly look at what happened, like I wouldn't want to play for me. Like it was all soccer. It was all like, you know, and it was funny because as a beginning coach, you're thinking, God, I would never have done that as a player. Or the reality of it is, is you should be thinking, all right, this is what that player thinks they need to do. How can I show them that they have to do something different? Mm. And it, you can't look at it as a player. Now you can look at it from a player perspective in terms of what they did. So, you know, if it's this pass needs to have this, texture on it or this that and the other but like ultimately it needs to be more about what it is they're doing more than anything and and you know and I and I saw that after the fact um you know I I was hard on myself for different things I remember laughing at one point looking back my um, stepfather came up to visit me and we had lost the game and he's like well let's go out to dinner and I was like no I'm not going out to dinner I can't believe we lost like and it's just like it's again like to me it's the classic beginner coach because it was like yeah how dare I show my face in public because of how our Mm -hmm. our ladies played you know Mm -hmm. but the reality of it is is once you coach them what they do on the field you have really no control over yeah you can sub and you can manipulate formations or any of that but the reality of it is, is once they step over that line, it's all their game. Totally. And yeah. um, you just have to give them, you know, I, I'm not a believer in the fact that the coach gives you confidence. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you have to have confidence in your own ability because so many outside things come into play. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a coach and that's how you're getting your confidence, mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to get that in the real world. You're not going to get it from your boss at your job. You're not going to get it. And, and I think sometimes um, today's player has a struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where you get your confidence is in your ability to do a skill set 
well every single time you do it. And if you don't, guess what? You can practice. Like it again, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to master it enough where you can hide if it's not perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the best players are having that ability to hide it. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because it's true. You can't get confidence from a coach or for anyone else. They can help foster that confidence and, and help it to grow. But it's like, you're going to one day have a really horrible boss that like, you can't have your confidence depend on your external environment. It like right. has to totally come from within. Um, so I love that you said that. And then also you mentioned like today's player, right. And I've had this conversation with my college coaches. So I'm curious for you, like, what differences have you noticed in just the players that you coach in the last decade from like now to the coaches or the players you coached a decade ago? Like what are the differences you've noticed in them from like a coaching perspective? I think, um, you know, the easiest one to kind of put a finger on is um, like we played pickup all the time. Yeah. Like I played with the guys, any ch- like, you know, I worked at an indoor soccer place and anytime I got to play, I was going to play. Yep. Nowadays, it's like, well, I have a trainer at 10 o'clock and I have to do this. And I we're relying a lot on other people to organize it, to do things, to um, to come up with things. And, And it's funny because in today's age of the Internet, like you can find all sorts of foot movement stuff. Um, you know, Yael has hers and beast mode and whatever. And so you just sit there and you're like, you have tons of things you can do on your own. You don't need somebody else to train you. Now, that being said, I, I, if I could afford it, I I would have a personal trainer, like there's no tomorrow to hold me accountable Mm -hmm. um, from a fitness standpoint. Definitely. Like if someone's there telling me, dude, you know, I have accountability to show up and get my fitness in. I, I, I have no problem with that because I know mentally I suck at that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but but in t- terms of the joy of the game, the love of the game, um, you know, I always find it interesting because I, I um, you know, there's that one. Um, was it a gif or whatever where the, the all the parents are on the sideline and and the kid, like somebody saying, gosh, if it wasn't for my parents yelling and screaming at me on the sidelines, I never would have been a pro player. (laughs) Right. So the reality of it is, is that's not why the kids are where they're at. It's the game. And we've taken, I think as parents and and sometimes even coaches, because we're so results oriented on a lot of stuff um, that we've taken the love of the game away. Yeah. And like, as a coach, I, I have to throw more of that in there, you know, like we do our Halloween practice, we do that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I think easily probably the most vulnerable I get, we play this game called um, around the world and I'm like dancing and grinding coffee and doing, I mean, it's just, <laughs> and I do it like anytime anybody has to do it, I, I have to demo it. Right. They have to know the right way to do it. And it's, it, it's, again, it's that vulnerability aspect. And, and I think if players today could go back to, again, I, I think a lot of it goes back to that accountability aspect. It's, you know, um, does your desire match your, does your desire and work rate match your ambition? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's where a lot of the disconnect is. Um, yeah. 
I, I, you know, um, and, and I think when you see a player who has that, where they go out and train on their own, like I had my own, my, I had my own net, right. I can't tell you how many times I would just, you know, the first time, obviously it took me forever to put it up, but then it was like, okay, you know, put it up and I'm out there for an hour and a half, two hours. Like my mom never had to worry about where I was because I was always doing something, you know, but I was also the extreme in the fact that like my friends after a game and if I played bad, it was like, Hey, you want to go do this? And I'm like, Oh, I'm grounded. I played horrible. My mom grounded. (laughs) They've been like, what? And my mom's like, my God, your friends must think I'm such an ass. Seriously. It was just like so easy to put it on her as opposed to type of a deal. But that was what it was like, Mm. like, you know, I don't know if it was that warped sense of I'm going to reward myself when I play well, but also kind of sit and wallow when I don't type of a deal. And maybe that's why people thought I was moody too. So, you know, it all comes back. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, I feel like, yes, the, the players have changed a lot, but also it's like, I feel like a lot of times coaches complain about, about the player today, but I, I don't feel like that's the right way to go about it because if, if we all stayed the same there, we wouldn't evolve, we wouldn't grow, but I think it's really about the coaches learning how to adapt. Right. And so you said that oh, you yeah. had these games, but like, I don't know. I mean, what else have you had to do differently you know, especially post, you know, 2020, like, what have you had to do differently as a coach, you know, for obviously just even the players like mental health and stuff too. Yeah. Mental health is a big one. And I'd be the first to say that, you know, my mental health during COVID sucked for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think I'm coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I'm used to the grind. Yeah. You know, the grind hasn't changed, but one of the things I think when I went back and started teaching in high school, um, the group of students I had were um, the lowest testing students, but then I also had the highest SPED students in terms of test scores. So it was a really unique group, but I think a lot of the test scores were mainly because of lack of giving a crap mm-hmm. with, with the students. Like they were the ones that were always in trouble or always. And one of the things I learned in that environment was if, if they know that you care about them, they're going to do more. And, and I think the other part of that, and I think that, you know, had I not gone back and taught, um, I would never have even thought about it, but like kids today in general, I I would say they do what you press as a standard. If you say, this is the standard, they want to please you. Yeah. They want to do what you're asking. They may not necessarily be able to do a grade or whatever, but they want you to notice that they're trying. And I think that it's that ability to kind of say great stuff, keep going. You're almost there. Like any of that type of encouragement to get them there. I think that is a big thing, but I think if you're the type of coach who writes them off of up, they're not going to be able to do it. They're horrible, whatever you're going to get just that from them. Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, a disconnect from the coaching side of things more than anything, because, um, you know, you, you, again, if you don't invest in those kids, they're not going to invest in you and what you're trying to accomplish as well. So I think that it is about, you know, going back to that meeting them where they're at and taking the time to realize we're all motivated by different things. (laughs) And I think that, um, you know, and I think having kids 
does it to you too. Like there's nothing more humbling than coming in from a loss and your son or daughter saying, Mimi, I'm sorry, your team sucked today. And you just, <laughs> <"Yeah, stop." laughs> and, you know, it's like, no, they didn't suck. And we just had an off day, you know, but it's also, it's what you're showing your kids too, you know, like, yeah. you know, I think we're going to run into a thing with my son. Like he is a perfectionist. Yeah. Like we got, um, darts for Christmas uh, and seven, right? So we didn't get the points. We got the magnetic. <laughs> yeah. And um, we were, we were playing and he marked the score wrong and he just started crying. Yeah. He, he put something on mine when it should have been on the other side. And it was like, you would have thought, I mean, everything stopped. Right. Right. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. And he was like, but I just want it to be perfect. Yeah. And I just sat there and thought, my gosh, it's starting already. <laughs> like, what, what are we going to do? Where, you know, my daughter is kind of like, all right, whatever. Like she, she probably is more athletic than he is. Yeah. Like she's faster. She's quicker, but like, she doesn't want to do it. <laughs> like she's kind of she like, oh, do I'll it. do it. All right. You know? And then once she does it well, she's like, this isn't so hard, you know, but I mean, she's like that with everything. And so again, you, you just have to notice it, take the time to notice that about people. Yeah. I love that. And kind of the last question, you know, before I let you go, I know you're a busy woman, um, but you've mentioned a few times, like, like investing in your players and other than like, I think we always think of inv- investing, you know, it's just in like monetary financial right. stuff like that. But like, and maybe that's included in it as well. But for you, what are some ways that you, that you have invested in, in your players to, you know, help them become better people? And, and what, you know, I guess, suggestions do you have for other coaches and how they can invest in theirs? You know, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, I think showing your vulnerability is a big one. Like, yeah. you know, if something's going on at, at our house, you know, um, I, I make it a point to let them know as well because obviously that could affect my mood. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but again, letting them know that I'm human and, and, and keeping it personal too. Like, you know, they come over a lot to our house for dinners and stuff of that nature. So they see us in that environment. Um, and they see me interact with the kids and obviously some of them come over and babysit, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the other side of it, it, again, is not just talking about soccer, finding about what they're passionate about, what their life goal is, you know, um, I've had some come in with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's been hilarious because, you know, I look at them and it's like, don't you dare f- or freaking hurt them or I'm gonna, you know, um, yeah. and then it's great. Cause like, they're like, Oh man, he's so scared of you. And you know, and I was like, like yes. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they're my kids. They're my family. Like, totally. no. um, and, and again, I think when you feel vested in, in, in that way, you're going to perform a little bit better. You're going to be more comfortable in your environment yeah. and everybody has a worth, whether it's, um, you know, the, the per se last player on your bench. Like if you treat them like they're the last player on your bench, they're going to be that for you. Absolutely. Um, and, and we, you know, we're probably one of the few teams we recruit the last mm-hmm. kids on our bench because we need to, you know. I joke and say they're normally the ones that are going to get you fired because they're the ones that you spend 90% of your time with because they need that attention. But then you get, you know, it's like you're, you're giving more than they're giving. 
kind of yeah, thing. Right. So finding that right group for the bottom of that is, is extremely important. Yeah. Um, and, and again, getting them to invest in everybody else is, is important too. And I think that, um, you know, we do book club awesome. and yeah. we have conversations about them. Um, you know, Bill Beswick's new one is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that with, um, kind of talking, he talks about changing your story. Yeah. Um, but like that book's phenomenal. We have the captain's class is mm-hmm. one we do relentless. We did, yeah. um, you know, fierce conversations is another one, you know, a little dare to lead with Brene Brown. Yeah. Like we run the gamut with stuff awesome. because again, we want to get them to have this life long zest for learning because, sure. you know, I always say if a day you don't learn is a day you're closer to dying. Yeah. I, I agree. A bit morbid, but at the same time, like you, you know, this ascending thing you're doing in life, you know, I always joke with our players and say, you know, if you come in and you think high school is the best time of your life, well, you're 18. What happens if you live to 90? Right. You peak. <laughs> you got 80 more years to live, you know, like awesome. You know, it's like, what, what else can you do? How can you become one with our community? How do you become, yeah. how do you give back? How do you, there's so much other things to look forward to and to do and, and, you know, invest in other people. And I think that, you know, and again, I mean, you can ask Anson. I, I was always in trouble. I was always in his office. I was always the one, like, funny that I end up coaching. So now I get to deal with that, right? Yeah. But the reality of it is, is you get what you invest. Yeah. Right. If you never give of yourself, you will never get anything more than token. Mm-hmm. And the more you put yourself out there, the more you know, like when I do the mentoring for the 30 for 30 class, I'm the first one to say young me as a coach sucked. Yeah. Like, let me what you don't want to do. Um, and, and, you know, this is kind of where I'm at. This is what, you know, and it's that type of stuff. Like if we keep saying like, you know, Oh, I was the best or, Oh, I was the like sooner or later, a, it's going to get out that you weren't right. <laughs> You know, but like your name is your name. Like, and, and if you value that, then that's what you have to make sure that nothing happened. Now there's going to be those outliers who yeah. always say, oh my God, she, you know, she's an ass or she does this. Well, I'm just very straightforward. Like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. That's just my personality. And I'm not, you know, I, I cut people who are, you know, Debbie Downers and Nancy negatives out of my life because I don't have time for that. Yeah. And those are the important things to me. I love that. I value my time and who I spend it with. And I think that the more, again, the more you invest in people and the more you have now, the other part of that too. And I, I say this a lot with our players, are you being truthful or are you creating harmony? Right. So if, you know, one of your players comes in and is like, God, coach isn't playing me. She hates me. She does this. And I'm doing everything I can. That's one of my favorites. I'm doing everything I can. She just doesn't want to play me. Well, if I'm that player she's talking to, you have a choice. Do you want to be truthful and kind of nip it in the bud? And this is what 
you're doing or are you looking at harmony and saying oh yeah you're right she doesn't you know and and you then create your role on that team based on what you do interesting yeah i i never thought about it like that before i don't know is in my opinion truth will always win right and what was it what does uh Ted Lasso say, if it's right, how could it be wrong or not worth doing or, you know? Right, right. And I think that those are those things. But again, it's, you know, a little wisdom coming with age type of a deal. But, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, as a coach and as a human, I mean, our jobs are are relationship bound. And if you don't understand that, then this probably isn't the job for you. Now, there's certain days you come back and you feel like you're more invested than the, than the student athlete you're working with, or, you know, and you're like, it pains you to think, God, what am I missing? How can I not get with that, you know, get on the same level with that player or, you know, um, sometimes tough love is all you got and that's all they may understand. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but normally as coaches, we try five different other things before we get to that point of, Mm -hmm you know, whether it's embarrassment, whether it's, you know, kind of how you're looking about stuff. And, and I, and again, I think investing in them gives you a little bit more leeway because they start to understand that you do care and, and it's not just about them as a player, but I think you have to get there first before you're granted that opportunity. You know, like, I think a lot of people think that trust should be given and the reality is a lot of people are so closed off that you earn it before it's right. given. And I think that that is a big thing within today's age that no one's going to just outright give it to you. Like it, we used to always give it to our coaches before. Right. And it's okay. It's not, a. it's not, yeah. it's just a different way to get to the same outcome. Right. You have to be vulnerable and invest in your players in order mm-hmm. to earn that trust. And when you do all those things, it's like, Number one, when you do those things, it helps them become better people. And then as a result of that, they perform for you on the field. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like, really comes full circle and, and this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom. Um, I appreciate it. And I'm excited to get it out to coaches because I think if coaches really take this in and take it to heart and apply what you're talking about, you know, I think that can create a ripple effect of, you know, the coaching quality mm-hmm. and then obviously the players as well. Um, but where, where can people connect with you if they want to, you know, just thank you or, you know, connect with you, uh, tell us where, where to find you. Um, my Twitter is booted. Oh five. Um, I thought it would be a perfect thing because the parents yell it on the sidelines. Um, some people think it's boot which is not right. Boot it. Boot it. Yeah, it's booted, all one word. Um, and then my um, personal email is booted05 at Yahoo. And then my school account is um, dcrow at uwsp.edu. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank I you again. will have no problem chatting with anybody. And yeah. again, um, I've failed a lot so I can yeah. help people. <laughs> yeah, no. And th- that's the beauty of it, right? The more you fail, the more you can help other people. Yes. So I'll thank tell you, you for failing. <laughs> yeah. And what's been working, right? There you go. There you go. Thank you for your time. And thank you for having this avenue for players to um, kind of know where we're coming from as well, which I, again, I think is one of the best things. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, Don. I appreciate you. You're more than welcome, hon. Huh?